Hey guys, welcome to the debrief after our episode with uh, Eric Peters, Mr. Eric Peters. He is the guy I think of when I think of institutional investors in crypto. There are probably a few other names, but his comes to mind. Um, you know, I've never really thought of Three Arrows Capital, Suzu and Kyle Davies, even though that was a bigger fund in terms of numbers, that was kind of the go-to mm -hmm. hedge fund. I've never thought of them as institutional capital because yeah. um, they're just not like, they're 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 new they they're were new degens. class they're degens yeah they were like quote unquote institutional is it's a it's a it's a disposition it's not a size it's i a would culture. say it's a it's a culture yeah <laughs> yeah it's not about the size of the money or where the money comes from mm -hmm. or anything else it's it's just kind of about the way you think about the the space and I mean, maybe that's I'd, I'd like to start off the conversation actually with this because like the institutions are coming institutions are coming have has been a meme and it is mm -hmm. a meme and yeah. uh it's it's there is no such thing as an institution there is no such that is not like a class that is just like this archetype that people have in their head as to like uh people that do this professionally i guess but like there is there people think that the, the like visa is an institution um, endowments yeah like pensions perhaps or institutions pensions. yeah but it's still just like the meme of the institutions are coming it's mostly a meme yeah. And there is no like there is no like binaries like the institutions are not here and now the institutions no. are here. Yeah, it's always it doesn't really work like in. that. You can mm -hmm. look at it as a percentage of pensions or percentage sure. of endowments or that sort of thing and say it's the saturation is still low. But I gotta say, um this episode was the first time I actually felt like the institutions were here. And let me tell you the reason why. It's cause like I know Eric Peters, last time we talked to him, they had purchased in size. Six hundred million dollars of Bitcoin and ETH. That's a lot of money. I, I remember that episode in twenty twenty one. He told us how he actually went about right. doing a six hundred million dollar investment mm -hmm. in these assets. You have to do it very slowly mm -hmm. without the market. Twop on Coinbase was the answer, right? <laughs> yeah, Twop. Twop on Coinbase. Yeah, but he wasn't doing it the way like we we would do it, right? Yeah, you just you think, connect you, your you bank think account. I you just... up, Ryan. I do not <laughs> up. I hit market buy. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just on Coinbase. I mean, you have to that kind of size. You have to do like professional right. market making strategies. Of mm -hmm. you know, you could really move the markets with that kind of a purchase. Yes, and um, you also want to uh, maintain uh, secrecy, discretion. Like yeah. you don't really want to show your cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so even then, I was like, okay, they're they're here. But do you know what was different about this time? Is um. I got the sneaking suspicion that they might know more about this crypto asset class than you and I. Yeah. From their research. Yeah. Uh, and I'm saying that a little bit facetiously, um, but I'm just saying like they are studying this. Yeah. This is not a casual, as he said, like yeah, you know, um, the dollar is debasing, so I'm gonna buy some Bitcoin. That's my investment thesis. <laughs> it's like. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the technical roadmap for Ethereum, and I'm understanding what um, EIP Bl blob space. Yeah, um, four eight four four is about when when sharding is coming and why how that's different from from dank sharding. What the layer two ecosystem actually looks like and how that impacts block space demand and um, you know why like it's just very it's much more in depth and maybe they were doing this the last time we talked to them. But I don't. I almost don't, I don't think so. Say, I think yeah. they've spun yeah. up. They've leveled up. It's like okay. that. Like that. Um, like they're adapting. They're leveling up. They're right. getting more. They're evolving. Uh, I feel like that's what's happening with the funds. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool. Game on. You guys are here. 
and you understand this space. And even, okay, so more, more evidence of this, of why I felt like this. They didn't just ape in to Terra and Luna right. and FTX. I, no, we studied the algorithmic design of Luna and we avoided it as a result of that study. Like, smart, smart money thinking. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what, that's what was kind of cool about this episode. It's like, well, you know what? They are mm -hmm. here. They've actually built up some competency in understanding this, this market space. Um, and they're pretty smart and pretty damn good at it in mm -hmm. terms of the way they're addressing it. It's um, just professionals mm -hmm. is what, what, what this feels like. When we brought Eric on the first time, October 2021, he told us, like, I listened to you guys. And so I can only imagine that, like, when he built out a team over at One River, he was also like, okay, go listen to Bankless. And so, like, I don't think there's any coincidence there that they're writing about 4844 in their research report. But, like, it also is like, oh, our 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 babies, the Bankless babies are, are growing up. The children are, are leaving the nest because Bankless is like, Hey guys, pay attention to this because this is really cool. It's called like 4844 blob space. And then like Eric is like, okay guys, research analyst that we just hired, listen to Bankless. And then the research analyst is like, oh, Bankless just showed me where the rabbit hole is. I'm going in. And then they yeah. go in way further than we can because, you know, we understand 4844 at a high level, but they go all the way in. And meanwhile, yeah, we're focusing on the next podcast and they are focusing on writing a research report. And so yeah, I'm like, it's a, oh, the, the, the children have left the nest. They're like on yeah. their way. They're out of here. There's an element of that. It's like, um, yeah, it's like, uh, what was that, that spreadsheet we were looking at earlier? We're going to do a, a show with John. John, John C's. Yeah, John C. Are you trying it's to spreadsheet? Right no, no, no. I was trying to actually pull it up so I could talk about it. Anyway, it's this. Um, I I think John C. You know, part of um, the way he got into. He's just an analyst. I don't know where he works right now. Delphi, maybe. Yeah, uh, formerly um, Delphi. He started his, he's uh, with a brand new thing. Um, doing okay. business as is what it's called. Well, um, I think he got into crypto later than us. I was listening to Bankless very recently Obviously, in 2021. Yeah, and Bankless wasn't his only source, but one of his sources. Um, that and then uh, I remember when he came on our show one time last year to teach us about the Ethereum roadmap right. in more depth right. than I understood the Ethereum roadmap. Well, and I, I asked like, him in oh. that episode, I was like, hey, John, how'd you like learn about crypto so much? And he's like, well, the first thing I did was I listened to every single Bankless podcast about that I could find about. And then I ran out. And, and then, and then I ran out and I had to make it myself <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, and he came out with a really cool model about um, basically Ethereum block space demand across the different modular layers of Ethereum, like the execution layer, the the, the data layer. Mm -hmm. They kind of modeled this out in this masterful spreadsheet that I probably at this point in time understand maybe like 40% of. And not, I'm like, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh -huh. so we're going to have Mon actually talking about that. But there's another case of like, this industry is professionalizing. This industry mm -hmm. is leveling up. Used to be, when we were starting Bankless, it's just like, hey, pay attention to these basics. Some mm -hmm. blockchains sell more blocks than others. Some have enough credible neutrality in their issuance policy to accrue a monetary premium. Others don't. You can't just value these things based on memes or narratives or cult leaders or YouTubers you actually have to take these fundamentals into account. Um, and I don't know, it's good to not have to say that, to see people right. pressing into the right. frontier of the fundamentals uh -huh. even deeper than we have 
it does feel a little bit like, okay, that's, that's some of kind of the legacy. That's what I've always wanted for this industry. Right. Let's all get smarter together right. and leave kind of the dumb, the dumb ideas. Out the alchemy and, behind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just leave that behind. Let's get smart about this. Yeah. So that's what I saw in this episode too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, in the, in the intro that I gave uh, I, I, in the, to the podcast, I was like, okay, the disposition of Eric in institutions, like crypto is eventually going to become more like that. And that's not like to say that like there's all, there's a resistance to institutions in crypto. Like crypto is the technology about the bottom up. It's about the 99%, not the 1% and institutions are, they're the 1%, blah, 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 blah. Which yes, uh, the fact that crypto was born in that way, born retail first, which is what Eric talked about, born in 99% is really, really important. But also at the same time, like institutions are what they are because they've gone through the crucible before, right? And yeah. crypto goes through crucibles every four years and we learn our lessons and we're learning them really, really fast. And to me, institutions are kind of just like the end, at the end result of what you get when you make every single mistake you can in financial markets and then you put up like processes and laws I think, and look, internal rules to make sure you don't fall into those traps. I think at their best they are, right? Obviously, um, institutions represent a lot of money. But like I tweeted this out and this kind of resonates with me is a professional isn't someone wearing a suit. A professional is a badass who knows exactly what to do, gets it done, and treats people well while doing it. We need more professionals in crypto. Mm. It's almost less a distinction for me between the institutions and kind of the retail and more a distinction between the professionals and sort of the the amateurs. And when I say yeah. amateurs, what I mean is like the meme followers, the narrative mm -hmm. hoppers, the I'm going to go YOLO margin. I don't know because this looks good and more the like, and you don't have to be in a suit to do this type of work, but more mm -hmm. the rigorous... I'm going to actually understand this thing from the bottom up and build a thesis and framework around that. That's what I mean by the professionals. And sometimes you you don't have professionals that work at institutions. I mean, to your point, like when you were asking Eric, you were like, um, Eric, usually what we see some of the institutions publish is kind of trash, like kind of garbage in terms of their right. research. And you guys have gone much deeper. Um, well done. And the difference is not that they're an institution where they're smart money versus dumb money. It's that they're professionals and they're actually doing their freaking job. And if they're allocating capital, they're understanding why they're allocating that capital and to what. And if it smells bad, if it doesn't look good to them, they don't allocate to it. If they don't understand it, they don't allocate to it. Um, may we all be professionals in the space, whether we're retail or institution. Yeah, I think what, this is a kind of adjacent from what you're talking about. What, one of my favorite things about the, what the world of crypto will do is redefine what it means uh, to be professional, perhaps to be good. Like this is why I, I one of my my sublines about bankless the bankless nation is that there are no ties in the bankless nation. Like you don't need to wear it. Like a tie is just uh, it's a fake symbol of professionalism. Like it's a fake it's a it's fake a credentialism resume. in a right. way, isn't it? Yeah. Uh huh. It's like oh, you're wearing a tie. I better. I clearly you know what you're talking about. Like no. That's not how it works. Like there's much better ways to vet people based off of like, instead of they're wearing a collar and a tie. Was Eric, Eric, what, he wasn't wearing a tie. Was he wearing a collar? I can't remember. Oh, Eric? I didn't yeah. even, didn't even notice. And I, notice. I guess that's, yeah. I mean. I don't I, think he was. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. But like it, it, there, there is an element of why did tie, why did ties, why did suits come to be? Uh, mm -hmm. Because people were aping like, I guess an education 
uh, a more educated class mm. that was more elite, seemed to know what they were doing, and right. kind of, you know, it, that's the thing. It's not about a suit. It's not about external. It's not about I work at Goldman or right. you know I'm like I've done all of these things in my past. It's like mm. now what do you actually know about this shit? Like, uh-huh. can you tell me what you know? Can you explain it? Have you ever used it? <laughs> like, right. it's that, and Do, uh, uh, you can't fake that. When I um, when I'm on the New York subway, sometimes I see like people my age, uh, ki- kids my age. I consider myself a, a kid, uh, and they're like wearing just like you know a suit, and then they're clearly on their way to their like finance job. And I'm like, you poor soul. <laughs> have you ever wanted I to feel be so in finance? Bad for you. <laughs> Let me ask you: Have you ever wanted to be in finance at all? Oh, God, no, bro. You're in finance. Do you know that? I went to a school that had a great, great business school. And you didn't study business. No, I studied psychology. Yeah. Uh It was never attracted to business. Never. Never attracted to numbers. I remember my dad telling me, he's like, yeah, Dave, when you go to college, you should should just take a one-on-one business class. It's a really useful thing to do. And I should have followed that advice, but I didn't. Uh, just because like, oh, like I, I was a little bit socialist in college. I was a little bit, you know, capitalism is bad. I had, that <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, never, no, not one time was I interested in that. I was interested it's funny, in funny Cause that's what you're doing now though, science. right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the but only reason is, why I, I like it is because I can connect it to crypto is connected to so many other things. So it's like, okay, ether has a market cap because of this thing called legitimacy because of this thing called credible neutrality that is much more philosophically interesting to me and and then on top of that like okay now i understand like uh block space demand and the revenue model of blockchains like it's a means through that lens yeah exactly yeah to this transformation to this like Mm -hmm. new um organizational superpower that we have this coordination tool Mm -hmm. that we have um that's how i feel about it too um well okay so any other uh big takeaways from this um, Eric's take on regulation seemed to be pretty reasonable. Like, let's yeah. do stable coins mm-hmm. kind of thing. And if it's centralized, it should have greater regulatory uh, control. Um, I did like his emphasis that. on uh, young people making too much money too fast or just the concept of <laughs> yeah, too much money just flat. too fast. Like, here's a heuristic. If somebody is um, like has tens of billions of dollars by age uh, 30, stay away. Mm-hmm. And it, right. it, like... You might miss some things, but mm-hmm. um, the odds are that that's the top of that particular person, like sub thirty-year-old billionaire who made all of his money inside of eighteen months. You don't, you don't need to ape into that. That's fine. I'm, I'm kind of impressed that that was his approach to it, because I think that um, if you're Eric and you kind of you didn't grow up with this stuff, right? You might also you might fall into a trap of like following, mm. you know. Um, mm. Just following kind of the narrative, like I don't, I don't like. There was something about SBF that took people, you know. It was just like he yeah. did have the hoodie. He was anti-suit right. and yeah. kind of the big, like he was using that as his uh-huh. cover in this whole yeah. industry. Yeah. And I could see, you know, somebody who who um, kind of just is more of a follower, less of a contrarian, just being like, "Well, I don't understand this stuff. This guy's successful." I don't know how he does it fully. I'm going to, but, but there was something that set off alarm bells for Eric and he kind of stayed yeah. away from that. Um, that impressed me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if, I think, I don't think Eric will take credit for that. I think he say, he'll say he got lucky on that one. Maybe not luck, but I don't think he'll say like, I wasn't super smart. It was just like, well, it turned me off about SBF was he was, he wasn't values aligned, which is a totally different reason. Yeah. That's, that's why we like were, were so resistant to SBF for so long. 
I didn't care that he was rich. That didn't like, or like no. he made so much money so no, fast. I, I, mean, I was, was I was bitter about it. I was like, sweet, you made a bunch of money in this industry. <laughs> Did you know why though? Do you know why this industry <laughs> you know why has value? Do you understand why these Shut assets up, have monetary Grandpa. premium? Grandpa, I made a lot of money, Grandpa yeah. David. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. It's definitely a get off my lawn type scenario. Yeah, which was the right approach to have. Yeah, he he needs to more he than get off, to get our, off lawn. our lawn. He need yeah. he totally. We need to rocket launch him into space. He needed to get very far away. Yeah. Um okay, so there's that. What else? Um Eric's thoughts on macro seem pretty pretty, you know, con- consensus view, I thought. Aligned crypto, with like Lynn crypto Alden, consensus Jim view. Bianco. Yeah, crypto consensus view. Yeah. Lynn Alden, Jim Bianco. Which is um, the only Dan consensus Moorhead. I care about. <laughs> Dan Moorhead, Pantera, like yeah. Deep Valley. Like there's, um, yeah, yeah, uh, massive debasement basically. Um, I mean, it seems like he thinks that the worst is over from a tightening perspective, but that doesn't right. mean we're going to restore to the new normal is yes. my takeaway. And we're recording this on a day where the 25 basis point interest rate hike was very much enjoyed by the market. Um, uh, I think the the real takeaway there was like, we're not going back to 2%. 4% yeah. is the new baseline. Minimum. Yeah. yeah I was wondering, I, I would like to do like, don't you think they'll just adjust what CPI actually means? Just put other products in the bundle and change the index and that's the way you So can... this is one of the big claims by like Bitcoiners, um, Bitcoiners who really hate the Fed. They'll say like, yeah, reported CPI is 2%. Actual inflation is, yeah. is way higher. I think higher. they have a point though, David. Well, yes. I think there's and, a point. I, I, I agree. And we also know that this is a known strategy out of other nation states. Uh, Argentina, for example, is the official inflation rate everyone knows that that is like undercutting the actual inflation rate by like half at least yeah and you could do it a little bit you could cheat a little bit and not get caught right. i mean for cheating exactly. in the way argentina is you're you're getting caught but people know people know yeah you could shave a couple of percent off by mm-hmm. reclassifying things in your index right. i mean talk right. to the pe- like the people on the street right you go to the grocery store like the things that you re- eggs you really feel inflation eggs right <clears throat> Um, like just your travel, gas, like just cost of living, rent, all mm-hmm. of these things. Um, I mean, the housing market's so weird right now, at least in the US, where it's like the uh cost of a mortgage is super high, but the like the price of homes hasn't really dropped that much. It's dropped maybe a little right. bit yeah. in yeah, some markets. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like it feels brutal. It feels a lot higher than even like ten like nine percent. Uh, mm-hmm. inflation um mm-hmm. so yeah i don't i don't know about that but anyway that's that's kind of a view um well I, that's all i have man i got the, the answer i was i was wanting to ask him going to that episode is are the institutions heading for the hills i wondered if his conviction would be shaken out of this market mm-hmm. right because this is only our second time we've talked to him they got into crypto what like 2020 or so the late 2020, 2020 is when they made their allocation like that November was a big allocation so yeah. still kind of new um he also said he's never seen market sentiment this bad yeah. i was a little bit like well i have <laughs> i remember it being worse is what he meant yeah i guess he meant um yeah so i was kind of wondering how shaken he would be and how shaken the institutions would be and i think if he was he wouldn't have come on the pod it's probably true. Like he's, bad he's, sign. he's he's like, yeah, I'm scared shitless. Sure, I'll come on the pod. He's no, no he's not going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to come on the podcast and be bullish on this asset class I'm that I'm betting on. 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Bearish. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Bearish on this asset class that I've been. That I have a fiduciary responsibility to talk positively about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think of uh, dinner with billionaires? Does that sound fun or boring? Uh, I think it. I think it depends on the billionaire. <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't want to treat all billionaires as uh, homogenous. I mean, I've hung out with a couple billionaires here and there. Like Stani, I think, is a billionaire. He's pretty fun. A lot. There's a lot of people in crypto that um, have a lot of money that um, aren't like traditional stodgy billionaires, yeah. I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And the stories of how they know. got the money are always pretty pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. um, that's it, man. Anything else? Every time I talk to a, a macro hedge, hedge fund guy, like, is it hedge fund? Is that the right mm-hmm. word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, and like he says, like, oh, yeah, we have this client that like sent us over like half a billion dollars. Brand new client sent us over half a billion dollars. I'm always just like astounded. Who are these people? How much money there is in the world. Like this mm. one client of yours just gave you half a billion dollars to manage. That probably wasn't even all of his money. <laughs> like where there's so much money in this world. My God, dude. Like, yeah. he, like a one single client sends over half a billion dollars for one river asset management to, to manage Ryan. The crypto market cap was $800 billion a few weeks ago. He sent over almost the entire market cap of this industry. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, it's a lot. There's so much money in this world. Yeah, and but it's 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 pretty concentrated though. Is the thing. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's who are these people? (coughs) I don't know. Um. Why don't I know any of these people? (laughs) Yeah. I. yeah why aren't they wiring me half a billion dollars look man i don't want to ever manage that kind of thing in a a oh god i would not sleep that sounds terrible i was just going to be like i have a fiduciary duty to not go to sleep right now and make sure that that money's safe do you know what i really liked their um their products so their products are bitcoin eth indices Their, Uh their idea of indices is all the good tokens and none of the bad right. ones, yeah. but we'll give you a weighted market weighted average of them. Good way to invest in the space, in my opinion. So it's Bitcoin and ETH. Digital income, which can be if you avoid the <clears throat> if you avoid the CFI scams. Um, digital trends, that's kind of a you know, sentiment type of investment. Mm-hmm. What he was talking about, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty good strategy. If you're gonna have a hedge fund, a collection of um, portfolios and it's a pretty good good strategy so take mm-hmm. note listener you could like do this yourself on your side and uh, construct this on your you know not financial advice but um this is kind of a good way to approach crypto in my opinion you got the big mm-hmm. ones you got an indice of some type um you've got some passive income going and uh that's kind of what you need um missing some DeFi, but you know the uh they still have some in- the regulatory hang-ups around that asset class i think oh yeah anyways go. good episode All right, guys, thanks for hanging with us. This has been The Debrief. See you later. Cheers.